even know who Harvey S. Thompson was, bro? I don't even know who that is. Wrote a book or something. How many Avenged Sevenfold fans does it take to cover an Avenged Sevenfold song? I don't know. It doesn't matter. They will never agree on which album it should be from. Oh, you're saying their fans are <laughs> fucking dorks? They like to argue. No, this is the best fucking album. You guys are fucking stupid. They like to argue about when this band was good, which is you're losing that argument no matter which side of it you're on. They were not good. We can just uh, agree that they suck. Uh, you know, if I wanted to listen to Metallica, I would just listen to Metallica. That was only one album, bro. That was one of the bad ones. You got to listen to the other ones. They made one good album one time. Oh, really? Which one was that? And then they're going to fight. We should have gone on the subreddit and, and asked which is their best album. The one with a Hunter S. Thompson song on it, bro. Oh, God. Real quick side note before we jump into this. I forgot. I wanted to start this by saying we, we need nicknames. Avenged Sevenfold has become, is so popular. And I don't even know the names of these guys. Like I just know their stupid ass little, little fake names. And they're huge. So maybe if we had fake names, like we could be huge. And start wearing bandanas and backwards hats. Oh. What? What's wrong with backwards hats? <laughs> Nothing. So this is basically Baby's first metal band. I would love to know how many people who had ever listened to anything called metal that was released prior to the year 2000 became Avenged Sevenfold fans when this band came along. Because I bet it's not many. I don't think there's a world where At The Gates fans or In Flames fans or Ceremonial Oath fans heard Avenged Sevenfold and went, ooh, that is for me. <laughs> it's definitely fair to say that no existing fan of heavy music was like, oh, what's this new band? What are they doing? There's only one chance that Avenged Sevenfold gets big. That is by bamboozling a bunch of kids that have terrible taste in music that this is what heavy metal is supposed to sound like. And there's no way around it. The image is a huge part of it, too. So even if any metal heads liked the sound of this, which they probably didn't, I mean, one picture of yeah. th these dudes, the way they came out of the gate would have been enough. I guess I could see Pantera fans enjoying Avenged Sevenfold music, but that is because no. uh, Pantera fans have all been hit in the head a lot. I think the only crossover fans would have been Disturbed fans. Like, if you were a fan of Disturbed. No way. Dude, they had like facial piercings on that guy too, man. I mean, it's all, you know. Disturbed was too much of a tough guy image, I think. I mean, I realize these guys took steroids and shit when they first yeah. came out, but I'd still just think the makeup canceled it all out as far as metalhead dudes. Yeah, this, the, I would say uh, you were being really generous. I think the only reason this band got to be as big as they were was because they leaned so heavily into the image and at the time, it was a very popular image for tweens and teenagers to be into. It's the reason why the, we're even having this episode. Without Hot Topic's existence, if Hot Topic never existed, or Tilly's or fill in the blank other thing that had this what similar was that vibe. One? Tilly's? What's that? I don't know. I think it's like one you of those You don't know? Or, I, I don't sounds, know for sure. It's one of those mall stores. It sounds like you do know. <laughs> I don't. What is that? Uh, without, without, without those things... If Hot Topic didn't exist, half the bands, well, not half, some of the bands that we cover and we'll probably cover in the future, we wouldn't even be able to do episodes on them because nobody would give a shit. It was like a billboard and every mall in America had a Hot Topic and therefore, especially at that time, tens of thousand people a week saw the billboard that basically said, Avenged Sevenfold's awesome. And every tween teenager was like, yeah, that sounds fucking great. I like heavy metal. 
I was running through my head real fast. I don't think that Hot Topic has come up on this show that often because all of the bands that got famous in that era do not matter anymore. And uh, we'll get into it, but this band is doing a lot of shit to try to keep mattering. And I'm not so sure how successful that is going to be. Avenged Sevenfold's first real big song was, of course, Bat Country, a song that had a music video that went number one on TRL. Total Request Live. There you go. So no matter what anyone thinks about it, we are quite literally talking about a pop metal band right now. If pop metal can exist, then that's what this is. Avenged Sevenfold fans in the year 2005 were not only aware of TRL's existence, they called in to TRL to vote on TRL to have this band's video played on TRL. That's wild. I did not know that. Yeah. TRL still existed in 2005. And right now, every fucking 40-year-old metalhead dude that's pissed that we're making fun of Avenged Sevenfold is having that cold sweat feeling, remembering his stupid little teenage self calling into Carson Daly to please play the Bad Country video on MTV mm. because it matters so much to you. Yeah. That your favorite band gets a song played on MTV. Definitely the guys that had like the, remember on MySpace, it was like the autoplay, like, and you went to their page and it auto played a fucking song. Had to have been a lot of people auto playing backcountry. For sure. Making it very popular. Well, especially because of that stupid fucking quote at the beginning that he, uh, he who makes an animal of himself gets rid of the pain of being a man. I can't. How, how deep everyone thought that. I can't. I, there's nothing worse than <laughs> metal Dude, bands. If you're a metal band, you shouldn't be allowed to read a book. I no, think. that's that's exactly right. A hundred percent. This is like music for knuckleheads dude not smart deep shit yeah. why does it always do that why do you have uh, to, why do they always God have to damn. prove that they're smart it's like dave mustaine syndrome across the board oh, i am dude. very smart man yeah it kind of sucks but the best heavy metal is is really is dumb heavy metal for drunks yeah. getting wasted and beating each other up or something going fishing or something dumb shit you're supposed to like lift lift heavy things while listening to it. I think from the greater perspective of all society, that is the best thing those drunk knuckleheads could be doing is yeah. gathering in the same place and punching each other instead of bothering anyone else. Metal bands should not be allowed to read books is my contention. Because then what you get is metalhead, metal fans who think that they're smart because the band that they've listened to reads books. And these metal fans start talking about books that they haven't fucking read themselves. If the metal band even read the book, mm -hmm. these dudes are just in Barnes and Noble, which existed at the time, hanging out in the Cliff's Notes section. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This one, it seems like this dude's got a bird tied around his neck. That could be a cool thing to write a metal song about. Let's do that. <laughs> this guy goes to prison for a long time and then gets out and fucks up everyone's lives let's do that one we'll talk about i'm sure the newer stuff later but i do have to touch on the fact that in the continuation of what you're saying i think that heavy metal for the next decade is completely fucked because two things for some reason everyone thinks it's cool to be smart now metal heads are now like again reading books and getting really into science and like we're gonna write albums about the singularity and 
AI taking over. No one fucking cares that listens to heavy metal. They don't even know what the fuck that means. They can't spell singularity. Shut the fuck up. But B, the second thing that's insanely popular right now is psychedelics. It's like the fucking 60s all over again, thanks to Joe fucking Rogan. Well, it's because those two worlds are colliding. Yes. Silicon Valley Great. is microdosing fucking and all Christ. that shit. The worst thing to happen to heavy metal is fucking psychedelics because it's turning everyone into a lovey-dovey, introspective piece of shit. I used to be so angry and like get on stage and get pissed off and yell and scream. And then I did mushrooms and I realized that we're all connected and loving creatures. And now I'm going to write about deep shit. Fuck off. And put a Rick Wakeman synthesizer solo in yeah. every fucking song. Jesus. Fuck. The heavy metal is fucked. The seventies happened. Just go, yes. go back and re listen to the fucking albums from the seventies guys. We already tried this one. It didn't work. Also, you're not fucking pink Floyd. You're never going to be not rush fucking pink Floyd or rush. You're not that smart. You're not that good. Just fucking stop. I think it's pretty clear that this band does not want to be thought of as a metal band. Maybe they don't even want to be a metal band at all. No, no, definitely not now. Well, I think that started pretty quick, like pretty early on. I mean, just the progression from the first several albums to uh, City of Evil was a pretty uh, giant shift towards the mainstream, if you will. They always talk about it like they want to get experimental, but what I think that means is they want to sell more albums, so they just start doing whatever is popular, which is probably why they looked the way they did and sounded the way they did when they yeah. first came out, is because they thought that that was going to be the thing that made them really popular, and then it turns out it did. If you're in a band and you want me and probably a good chunk of people in the world to check out immediately from everything you're going to do in the future... Use the word experimental to describe your music moving forward. If you make an album and you're like, it was really popular and people liked it, just keep fucking doing it. Why does everyone, it's, I swear to God, it's, it's drugs. I, I, I think that's it. I think that's the only, in therapy, they do mushrooms and then they go to therapy and they're like, I don't really want to do this anymore, but they still have to make a paycheck. They still have to make money because this is what they do for a living. All right, well, if we're going to keep being a band, let's make experimental music, which 25 people out of our thousands of fans like. The music's not even experimental, though. That's just the word that they're using. I know. The end result is way more mainstream every single time. Musically, this was sort of like a five-finger death punch version of Pantera that at some point decided to also try being Iron Maiden. Yeah. That musical algebra is kind of what's going on here. Also, I should say, this is one of those bands that we sometimes cover. I have never listened to on purpose because I was there when it got popular, heard and saw just enough of it for it to be very obvious that this was not for me. You know, I can, I can well, tell. Yeah, I never listened to it ever. I mean, maybe because I'm too old. A lot of my friends are metalheads. The only one that I know that likes this is a guitar player. And I'm convinced that the only reason he likes it. Guitar solos. Is that he worked at Hot Topic and he likes the guitar solos. Yeah. This band is probably cool to listen to if you're the kind of guitar player who wants to play mega wank fast guitar solos. But as far as anyone who wants to listen to music, you know, to enjoy a song or in a social setting or anything like that, absolutely not. I would venture to guess that probably every single person who ever looked at a music magazine in the era when this band first got popular remembers the first time they saw a picture of Avenged Sevenfold. What in the fuck happened there? Did someone go to a hot topic and set off a grenade full of the ooze from the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie? <laughs> like, is this a trick? Is it a trap? Are these guys dressed this way, hang out outside of a hot topic? And then when people walk up to talk to them, they just beat the shit out of them because they secretly hate the goth kids, a hot topic. I thought 
legitimately that all they were trying to do was be the new like Motley Crue thing. Like they were the new Motley Crue guns and roses. Not necessarily musically. They didn't, they weren't anywhere close to that good or catchy or like fun. It was the exact opposite. Actually, it wasn't catchy or fun or enjoyable, but I felt like image wise, that's what they were going for. We are the new generation of bad boys of rock and we're going to like look the part. All we do is get, you know, fucked up. Look at us. We get covered in tattoos way before it's fucking cool. And, you know, wear aviator sunglasses. I was super confused who told these goth kids about steroids and why did it cause them to start making music like this instead of making Static Age by the Misfits over and over again. Now that we've sold a bunch of shirts, maybe people will start responding to them wearing our shirt. We get tagged in posts all the time, I see. Yeah, if you get a shirt. At yfbspod.com. I want to hear the stories. Oh, I definitely want to hear some stories. I bet it's a lot of people laughing at the shirt. I bet when you're walking around in a shirt that says your favorite band sucks on it, you get a lot of people who aren't dumb as fuck going, that shirt's funny. I hope. It's a great conversation starter. Or ender. If you're a single person and you're someone that goes on dates, you should buy a shirt and wear it on a date. Mm -hmm. It's a great litmus test. Figure out right away, oh, this person I'm going on this date with, his favorite band is Weezer. Text your friend, hey, uh, can you call me in a minute and tell me that you really need my help? Get the fuck out of there. Yeah. I would say this is the most hot topic band of all time. There's only one that I could think of bigger. What? Him. Maybe. When I say most hot topic band of all time, I don't just mean that their music and merchandise was sold in hot topic, which it obviously was, or that the band did tours that were actually sponsored by hot topic, which they <laughs> did. Yeah. Uh, I mean that Avenged Sevenfold and hot topic were the same thing, a thing that is pitched to young people, teenagers as this counterculture or against the mainstream or even just quote unquote different Meanwhile, you found out about it at the mall. You bought it at the mall. You talked about it with the other kids who hung out at the mall. There is an inherent conflict in these things. I think if you walked in a hot topic, they were looking at you wondering, were you going to go towards the, the heavier? I, I'm using strong, heavy quotes here, really strong quotes. The heavier side with Avenged Sevenfold, or were you going to go to like the poppier you know, dark wave sound of him. You know what I mean? Like that was really the, the your two choices for pretty much a long time. Like half the t-shirt wall was Hardigrams and then Avenged Sevenfold merchandise. It's probably a pretty big crossover, I would assume, actually. Probably a lot probably. of people who liked one liked the other. Well, I mean, I think at the time, this is like a generation of kids that were told what to like based on what they liked in Hot Topic or read in you know, it's on just, my it's just space. what was there, what got stocked there were yes. the only options. Yes. I mean, it, like Hot Topic became the CD thing. So when you were, a, this, this is for all you young people, but back in the day, you used to go to the record store, you would actually like flip through based on the album artwork and based on a, maybe a sticker on there that said for fans of X, if it met your criteria, you would buy it and be like, oh, this is cool. It's 10 bucks. I'll check it out. Like the artwork is cool. But the thing is, is that's what Hot Topic's t-shirt wall became. Mm, yeah. That one. Like, the bat skull. Right. So you would walk in at the uh, FYE or fucking whatever, and it would be like the top 20 selling albums. And you're like, well, I don't like any of these pop albums. What is the top selling rock album? And you would probably buy it. Well, Hot Topic had that exact same thing, only had it with t-shirts. Oh, who are all these bands? I want to check that band out. I want to check that band out. I would not doubt there were people that bought Avenged Sevenfold t-shirts before they even listened to the fucking band. It was probably playing in the store. Yes. 
that happens all the time with kids now wearing Nirvana shirts and shit, even though they never heard the band, they just think it's a fashion brand or something that definitely has always happened. Anyways. Yeah. I really only ever heard a couple of songs from this band's heyday. So when I press play on the first album as research for this episode, I swear I thought that the first song was a joke. I thought that they were fucking around and like doing a really silly first song before it got to the real stuff. And that is not what turned out to be the case. <laughs> I mean, well, so first of all, the album cover looks like a Cradle of Filth album cover. If you go look at it and then go look at Cradle of Filth album covers, you can see why a person would expect a certain thing when they press play on it. Mm -hmm. Knowing what I had heard of Event Sevenfold, my initial thought was, I wonder if this is one of those bands that started off as a way more aggressive, way heavier thing and then got popular as soon as they started doing something that was a little bit more Accessible. regular sure. as to what was going on at the time. Yeah. Uh, but no, like after the intro sound effects, the song kicks off straight into some like half ass version of the score to the movie, the rock starring, uh, oh. Nicholas Cage and Sean Connery. What a great Do you movie. remember the guitar score? Like the guitar way. <laughs> yeah, I need to go back and watch it again. Yeah. yeah. It's, that's what immediately what it reminded of. The music sounds like the soundtrack to every action movie that got made immediately after the success of the original Top Gun. Uh -huh. Just all of those Top Gun knockoffs with super epic, ridiculous, quote unquote, epic yes. guitar solo stuff. Yes. And then this dude starts singing. By the way, I refuse to use any of these guys made up pseudonyms because I, I am not I'm not 14 years old and I don't care enough to look up any of their real names. So I will be calling every single uh. one of these dudes that dude for the entire episode. <laughs> that singer, dude, the singer, dude was about 19 when he recorded the vocals for this first album. And he already sounds like a 40 year old burnout who's been obsessed with trying to sing like Axl Rose for 20 years, no matter how many people tell him to quit. Homeboy's vocal register and range is not comparable to Axel in any way, but he is absolutely not letting that stop him from trying. Exactly what Axl Rose would sound like if he could not sing and only had access to 20% of his vocal range. I can't believe that people listen to this. He's uh, using his nasal cavity as so much of a resonating chamber yeah. for his voice. This dude is like the metal Willie Nelson. There was never a moment. I never had an event sevenfold moment in looking back and listening back. And I'm like, oh, this is why. Because it really is just the shittier version of shit that I loved. And it wasn't even good to the point where it was so bizarre because there were so many other bands that were doing uh, very similar things that I thought were better. At least being competent ripoff yes, artists. Yeah, yeah, at least in the, they, they sound, they could sing better. I was curious, do the fans of this band believe this guy is a good singer? Or is it one of those things where the, all the fans know that the vocals are bullshit, but they put up with that because they like some other aspect of the music? I think he like, just had a lot of girls that were really into him because he had like the snake bite thing and he fucking juiced himself to the gills and had big arms. And he looked to me like every other dude from Southern California at the time because, you know, there was fucking Throwdown and 18 Visions. There were so many bands that came out of that area that were like, literally just looked just like them oh it's just another one of those bands and i was wondering if maybe a lot of fans think the stuff where the guy's growling and screaming is the good stuff but then the ballad stuff is dog shit i can't imagine there are a ton of people out there who think it's awesome when this guy busts out the voice that he uses on ballad material and I was wondering about all that, so I decided to see... Oh, I was also wondering whether this band's fan base is aware of how much auto-tune is all over the vocals on these albums. And I'm not just talking about the newer songs where they use the T-Pain vocoder as an effect. 
this dude's vocals are getting cleaned up all over the place. So I was wondering all this. I decided to just go check and see if the band even makes an attempt at performing those ballad songs live. Mm -hmm. And they do. (laughs) Uh, The thing I watched was an officially released concert live in the LBC. So I don't know if the vocal corrections were applied after the fact when preparing it for DVD release or if the band was using something to correct the vocals live in the room. But holy shit, I couldn't believe how much processing was on every second of Homeboy singing. And I'm going to guess 100% of the people who enjoy listening to or watching that concert have said some version of the phrase they don't like pop music like Britney Spears or Backstreet Boys because of all the auto-tune on the vocals and it's fake and it's not real and blah, 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 blah. Then they go jam out to this having no idea it is the exact same thing. It is the metal version of the exact same thing. If you bought it in the mall, it has auto-tune on it, genius. We can definitely do episodes on literally any band. There's nothing that this podcast we could not talk about. No band in history that we couldn't talk about. However, if you were to look at the bands that this band very obviously rips off, Molly Crew, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, uh, uh, what's his name? Fucking Christ. I'm totally, uh, the dude does Alice Cooper, viciously rips off Alice Cooper. There's a couple of vocal parts that are 100% sounding like Alice Cooper. These bands existed and recorded and, and not that they didn't use tricks, I'm sure, in the studio, and maybe Axel, when he was singing live, had some mild effects on his voice, but certainly nowhere close to the technology that Avenged Sevenfold is dealing with today, and yet still had millions of fans that loved and adored them because they were wildly fucking talented. You can hate Axel Rose all you want. I don't give a shit. Hate on Guns N' Roses. But the motherfucker could sing his ass his off. vocal range is, you can measure it it's a scientific fact yes it's obscene so many actual people in heavy metal history even james hetfield he could i mean he couldn't sing great but he could do what metallica was doing really well and didn't need a ton of processing to make it sound good what is the difference between fucking Katy perry and avenge seven hole fold besides some fucking guitars <laughs> avenge seven hole yeah seven hole <laughs> They're like, what's the difference? It's the fucking same thing with just guitars. It's fucking cheesy ass processed music. Avenged Seven Holes is my favorite band, dude. It is. It's a brand new band. You, you guys started. like Avenged Seven Holes? <laughs> the live in LBC concert, they perform a ballad that is called Seize the Day. And in the intro banter to the song, dude even says, quote, I'm about to sing you a fucking ballad, end quote. And everyone cheers. So yeah, apparently the fans of this band A, think that this guy's a great singer, and B, that it's awesome when he sings ballads, which that's just mind-blowing to me. Everyone cheers, the lighters come out, the whole fucking deal, and just like the rest of the concert, dude's singing the whole song. His voice is being pitch-corrected and stabilized. And look, they're processing his vocals so much because his vocals need to be processed that much, and I think they still sound like shit even after that processing is applied, but the fact is this band's fans apparently believe this guy is a great singer and have formed that opinion by not holding him to the same standards, the same criteria they apply when judging singers in other genres. I just think it's whack. I don't think you would have heard of this guy if autotune technology didn't exist. That's a huge difference between someone like him and someone who he clearly hero worships. This dude's got training wheels. I think that, I mean... It's also just when you play in certain genres of music, the expectation is a roughness and grittiness 
certain bands like Depeche Mode, they play to a tons of backing tracks. And you expect that. You go see Depeche Mode and there's fucking 5,000 tracks layering and all this crazy shit. Even if there's five people on stage, you realize that there's a ton more going on than what you're seeing. Heavy metal is not typically that way. With heavy metal, you're expecting like the band that's playing is what you're hearing. Not a bunch of backing tracks and not a bunch of vocal tweaking and blah, blah, blah. You're expecting a raw, like that's part of what makes heavy metal fucking heavy metal. Mark, there are no metal bands that use backing tracks on stage. Yeah, yeah. well, <clears throat> there are none. I'm just saying. The expectations <laughs> when you present yourself as a heavy metal band all those guitar cabinets, all those guitar <laughs> cabinets are fucking real, bro. It's yeah. that loud on yeah. stage. Also, Homeboy has kind of made a big deal about how the last couple of N7 Fold albums, at least, do not have autotune on them, which is a mistake. Is a statement <laughs> about what the previous Avenged Sevenfold albums had on them. <laughs> yeah. uh, B, I would also question whether that's even true. Does he know for a fact that there was no pitch correction applied to his voice? Again, other than the vocoder songs, after he like left the studio for the day, mm -hmm. no, nobody was like, okay, now that he is gone, let's go ahead and at least fix that fucking note, which is insane. Do you want him to come back tomorrow thinking that he's going to do a whole nother day trying to get a good take on this song, fix one of the fucking takes, play it for him when he comes in? Oh, dude, uh, we were uh, listening back to these. It's, it seems like you did hit that note on this one <laughs> take. Oh, fucking great. Let's just use that one. Yeah. The reason he says he didn't have to use auto-tune on these recent albums is because he spent several years working with these amazing vocal coaches, leading one to believe that he thinks that his voice is now better than it ever has been, right? Except the fans of this band know what this asshole's voice is supposed to sound like because they've been listening to it the whole time, and a lot of them don't like it that he's not using autotune anymore, so they have taken it upon themselves to isolate the vocal <laughs> tracks and upload them to YouTube, and you can go listen to uh, them, and you should, and then you should check out the comments where all the fans are like, what the fuck is going on? Sounds fucking oh, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. The fans are like, why... Do use the auto-tune then. If that's what you were doing before, keep fucking doing it, man. This ain't it. It's so pitchy. It's like he had a crisis of conscience where he was like, man, my heroes didn't use auto-tune. I shouldn't use auto-tune. Also, I would love to have seen the voicemail from the record exec. You know what I mean? So like the producer probably sent some rough demos to their A&R guy. And he was like, no, 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 motherfucker. <laughs> you need to fix that shit. Don't tell him we fucking tweaked it. Don't tell Mr. Shadows, whatever his name is, that we tweaked his vocals. While we're on the topic of his vocals, what about everyone else's vocals? The background vocals on this band's music are bonkers. <laughs> These guys try to sing background vocals as though they are still pissed off that they weren't old enough to be in the recording session for Kiss from a Rose by Seal. <laughs> it's awesome. It's, what in the fuck is going on? <laughs> Why is anyone in any metal band ever actually trying to harmonize with each other as if they are real singers? No one came here for that. Things that heavy metal bands don't fucking do. Avenged Sevenfold literally recorded a cover of God Only Knows by the Beach Boys, which is obviously unacceptable. But the only reason that happened is y'all motherfuckers let them get away with this background vocal nonsense for decades at this point. No one was ever like, hey, fucking stop doing that. And then these guys start doing Beach Boys songs. All right. 
This is a one-way street. One thing begets the next thing. These things don't happen for no reason. This, none of this is happening out of nowhere. We need to do, we really do need to do an episode of this podcast where we do the worst covers of all time. A fucking Beach Boys song, you prick. What the fuck? We're in Avenged Sevenfold. You don't do Beach Boys songs. Yo, do me a favor real quick if you're listening to this podcast. Which you uh, are. You're obviously f- listening to this podcast. Do <laughs> you think they're listening to the podcast right now? They're still listening. <laughs> yeah, I guess they're listening. Yeah. We really need you to subscribe wherever you're listening. Hit the subscribe button. Definitely make sure you're subscribed. We've got merch now. What, shirts and pins and stickers and stuff? Yeah, on the website. Go to our website, yfbspod.com. Just do it. Just do it. That would be a good slogan for Man, something. we should make a shirt. Okay. <laughs> As someone who was paying a lot of attention and very aware of what was going on in music at the time, Event Sevenfold first became popular, I guess the thing I found most confusing about the music itself was how or why this was the band chosen to become popular from all of the bands who sounded virtually indistinguishable at that time. Maybe people don't remember this, but especially if we're counting, you know, bands that no one has ever heard of who were just in local music scenes all over the country, there were probably several hundred bands that sounded exactly the same as Avenged Sevenfold. Oh my God. I'm not even saying any of them were better. I'm sure a lot of them were. I'm saying, how could anyone even tell Avenged Sevenfold's music apart? They're not better. Any of them were better. They were equally as bad. That's what I would, that's how it is. There were, there was a shit ton of bands that were equally as bad as this band. Why the fuck did this band In exactly the same ways too. It's just all of it sounded the same. The only biggest differences were just the singer. You know, like a Treyu singer was way different than Event Sevenfold singer. Yeah, but like kind of looked the same. A lot of bands out of that world had the exact same image. Alternative Press Core. Do you remember that magazine? Alternative Press. Basically that magazine. That magazine existed because of how many bands exactly like this there were. Yes. So it's just wild that somehow this was the band that jumped from being featured in alternative press to getting written about in Rolling Stone. I can't imagine that the uh, drinking and partying and image had anything to do with that. Mm. You know, maybe that was it. Maybe the other bands were just they weren't. uh sexy enough you know what i mean like that was the difference garen fucking like there's these were these dudes were even more bad boy image than the other bands you know if you put together all the indie demos recorded by bands that sounded just like this in the early 2000s it would fill a costco from floor to ceiling wall to wall why did everyone pick this one and before anyone thinks they need to write an essay about why you like event sevenfold more than all these other bands these are rhetorical questions Mark's not going to read it. I'm not going to read it. Nobody gives a fuck about your propaganda. Everyone picked this band because of the makeup and the studded belts. This band was heavy metal, good Charlotte. And you can't handle someone pointing that out. Then go anywhere else on the internet other than here. Cause nobody gives a fuck. Today's real talk day. Heavy metal, good Charlotte is pretty much a perfect way to describe them. You went to Avenged Sevenfold concerts because the girls you had crushes on wanted to fuck these guys. Yes. So you bought a ticket to hang around in case any of those girls got horny enough to settle for you after the show. The end. The truth is in this, in that world, and the truth is still from music. Like if you win over the girls, you're probably going to have a fan base because where girls are, dudes will show up. Guns N' Roses bought out the girls. Molly Crew brought out the girls. And where the girls show up, the dudes show up. When 50% of your fan base is women, you're fucking killing it. Which, Avenged Sevenfold at the time, a ton of young teenage young ladies loved this band. 
Dude, this was what, 2005? This is way before everyone and their fucking mother had a tattoo. Also, by the way, I don't know if people know this, but there was a time when not everyone you know had tattoos. He had like a full sleeve. Like he that's fucking crazy, dude. Look at this guy. He's got tattoos. Not having ever listened to Avenged Sevenfold albums and taking my job very seriously, I went back and listened to these albums. And the first thing that really jumped out at me was how bad the production is on every album from the classic lineup era. All of the guitar tones, all of the drum sounds are, it's so flat and boring. Everything is compressed to shit. It sounds like you're listening to each album through a pillowcase is how dead and muffled everything sounds. These guys can talk all they want to about how they tried to do something heavier or lighter on this album versus that album, but it doesn't matter when the dynamic range on a scale of one to 10 is coming in at a hot three, all right? This shit is just boring. Mm -hmm. it, it sounds boring. They could have written the heaviest riff in the world ever, but if they produced it this way, it would sound like a dead dog dick. I would strongly encourage anyone who thinks Avenged Sevenfold has ever been heavy to Press play on the album We Are the Romans by the band Botch. Give it 30 seconds. If that doesn't just reshape everything you as an Avenged Sevenfold fan think of as heavy, I can't help you. That album came out in what, 1999? And the guitar sound shits on anything Avenged Sevenfold has ever done because Botch did not join the wrong team in the loudness wars. If you don't know what that is, fucking fix your own life, buddy. I've done enough <laughs> for you. I can't, can't explain everything. There's nothing worse than albums that are just absolutely just decimated by that compression brick walled rick rubin God, compression it like shit it just sounds so bad it is the exact opposite of how you would expect heavy metal to sound too it's supposed to be like loud and booming and obnoxious it's supposed to yeah. be fucking gritty it's supposed to hurt your ears if you turn it up too loud it should blow my fucking speakers if i dime out the volume knob i shouldn't be able to listen to another song on yeah. this on this sound system after that Event Sevenfold albums, it's just like everything is this volume at the same time. Even later in their career, when you can tell that Event Sevenfold thinks they're doing something that's supposed to be so heavy, for instance, a song like Critical Acclaim. This is the one that opens a self-titled album. It was the opening song in concerts for a long time. On the album, when the song really kicks in at the beginning, the way everything is mixed makes it sound so flat because they don't know, they don't know how to EQ each instrument so that it stands apart and stands out on its own. So everything just comes out as mush. If you go see the band Converge live, not even just listening to their albums, you go see the band Converge play live in any venue in the world, the mix coming off that stage is going to sound better than any Avenged Sevenfold album you've ever heard. You can hear exactly what each instrument is doing, and that is what makes Converge come across as way, way heavier than Avenged Sevenfold ever could. It's really bizarre to me that anybody would think it sounds good to do that especially, especially when you're playing rock and heavy metal music. It just sounds so dead. It's not punchy and doesn't hit you in the fucking chest and go, oh shit, this is, listen to any Pantera album. Even if you don't like heavy metal, you can play fucking, I don't know, I'm broken for somebody and be like, oh shit, this is heavy. Dimebag's guitar tone, because he used that noise gate, that really heavy noise gate that would cut it off anytime he instantly silent when he would cut it off, mm -hmm. it introduces an element of dynamics 
that Avenged Sevenfold, I know that they used to cover the song Walk. And in fact, that would probably be a great exercise for anyone trying to figure out how to listen to music better, how to be better at listening to music. Listen to Pantera play Walk. You can even go look up a video of them doing it live and then watch Avenged Sevenfold do it. Yeah, it's not close there's nobody who prefers that event sevenfold cover and if they do well don't ask them their opinion on anything else (laughs) if they do they're wrong they heard the event sevenfold first and then they went back i mean i guess i see the appeal of the original yeah (laughs) it doesn't doesn't sound as good as you know as avenge doing it it's just way heavier and there's a reason that event sevenfold covers the song walk i mean that is certainly one of the best guitar riffs of all time man dude it's again that is a song you could play for someone that doesn't even like heavy metal and they'd be like oh, oh shit i know i crazy. know all kinds of people who don't give a fuck about heavy metal but listen to pantera in the gym when they work out for that exact reason yeah Another example of this, because I know that we're saying some shit right now that a lot of the fans are going to want to get all well actually about um, on Avenged Sevenfold self-titled album. There's a song called Almost Easy, which is kind of cutting it close when it comes to the Guns N' Roses worship guys. Uh, Almost Easy. For some reason, they put a piano on the song, but it's just fucking buried in the mix. So what's the point of it being there? Why is there a piano part if I can barely tell that there's a piano part? If you're going to put a piano in something, okay, first of all, if you're going to put a piano in something, then you need to have separation in the mix so that it is very obvious where the piano is and what it's doing. That's first. Second, anything on the spectrum of rock music to hard rock music to metal, anything that has a piano in it, the first thing you have to do before you actually start that recording session is go back and listen to Bat Out of Hell Part 2. Out of the frying pan and into the fire, motherfucker. That is how you put a piano <laughs> on some shit that rocks. In fact, a Ben Sevenfold brings the piano back on the same album later on the song unbound. And if you listen to that, there's also some gospel choir shit going on. So I think it's pretty clear that event sevenfold were intentionally trying and failing to achieve a meatloaf vibe. That is something where if you're going to take a swing at it, you cannot miss. You do not take a swing at meatloaf and miss boys. Yeah, that's hard to do. And if you're going to do it, it's going to really sound bad. You need to know that you've got it. Yes. And if you don't, it's just going to be like, wow, this is actually embarrassing, which it really was. They also seem to have like a real thing for theatrics in general, because there's a couple songs. I wish I would have taken notes of which ones where he really does sing just like Alice Cooper. They even put like a weird vocal thing on his voice. A couple parts where it's like, shit, is he really just trying to sound like Alice Cooper? That theatrical way that he sings? I don't know. Oh, dude, when I said that that song, A Little Piece of Heaven, made me think of what this band would submit for a Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack. Yeah. I strongly believe that that is exactly what they were trying to do. I don't think it could possibly be an accident how much that song sounds like their attempt at achieving a Nightmare Before Christmas vibe. Danny Elfman or him. Yeah, the, the theatrics are there. They're trying to do these things, but they're just not smart enough to pull it off because you kind of have to, it's got to come across in a dumb way to be yeah. pulled off successfully in metal. Sometimes you got to be really smart to be dumb, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I do think, uh, it, we, I don't really want to dive too much into this, but like lyrically, it is way too. St- oh, I wasn't even going to talk no, about no, the no, song I don't want lyrics. to. I don't want to because it would be another hour. No, I, I mean, any of the lyrics of any of the songs. I, yeah. that's, that's off the table for this discussion. I just want to, the only thing I want to say is it's really bizarre trying to be deep lyrics or something i don't know dude 
why would anyone listen to Event Sevenfold in a world where Iron Maiden albums exist? I realize it's not exactly the same thing, but basically anything I can imagine you getting out of listening to Event Sevenfold, you can get out of Iron Maiden and it's objectively better. better music. Yeah. Across the board, better songwriting, better singing. The guitar playing is way more tasteful. One other thing that's funny about the complete lack of dynamic range, especially at the beginning of this band's career, um, the album Nightmare is when you can tell they first started to figure out that their album sounded like ass. And it's interesting because that's the one where Mike Portnoy, this band's yes. drummer, died. It's very sad, obviously. Yeah. But um, Mike Portnoy of Dream Theater came and played drums. I guess that was this band's drummer's favorite drummer, which, mm. I mean... Uh, Anytime a band is influenced by Dream Theater, it's not good. <laughs> it's not a good sign. Uh, Mike Portnoy came, and as we said in the Dream Theater episode, the production on Dream Theater albums was also just miserably bad for a long time. Decades of very bad sounding albums. It took them until sometime in the 2000s to fix the guitar tone on Dream Theater albums to where it actually sounded as heavy as they clearly thought that it was supposed to sound this whole time. So it seems to me a lot like Portnoy having recently figured out that his own band's album sounded like shit, figured he'd save these kids some time and tell them how to separate instruments and make sure that it was mixed a little bit better. So you can hear them trying to fix the sound on that album, but then you get to the next album and that's when they really do kind of start to dial in some of the production things. Hail to the Thief, that's probably the best sounding Event Sevenfold album, but it's also the one that their fans hated because every song is a ripoff of... Hail to the King? Hail, Hail to the King. Did I say Hail to the Thief? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I was thinking of a good album. <laughs> no, I was like, shit, did I miss something? So yeah, the fan base loses their shit. And it's almost as if the once the fans could actually hear what each instrument was doing, they hated it. <laughs> Like, oh my god, he's actually playing that. What the fuck? This band sucks. Wait, that's what that sounds like? Fuck this. Mute that motherfucker. I mean, the whole album is hilarious because the entire thing is just a pastiche of all the metal bands a young music fan would need to have not grown up listening to, would need to not be familiar with in order to believe Avenged Sevenfold's music was acceptable to listen to. Yeah, None of it veers into outright plagiarism, but in metal, it is so ridiculously easy to avoid actually getting sued while still intentionally ripping off another band. The Vanilla Ice lawsuit, the Vanilla Ice Queen, where he's like, yeah, the pickup note is there. In metal, if you do just add like an extra note or add an extra chord strike, you're probably going to be fine. Yeah. Because also, when it comes down to it, the riff that you're stealing from was probably fucking stolen from someone in the first place. If you're stealing a riff from Metallica, they probably didn't write that shit anyways, man. (laughs) They probably stole from somebody else. Who are you suing? Who's Metallica suit? You stole that riff from us. I'm going to go, you stole that riff from me, motherfucker. You're talking about a genre where it's... You can just do that in any song and no one can sue you. Who wrote that? Yeah, I do feel like Hail to the King also, they... It sounds like the Black Album to me. Production-wise, for sure. Like Production-wise, through the whole album, it just yeah. sounds like Bob Rock did it. But that's what I mean. I mean, that's the best-selling Metallica album for yes. a reason. It's not just that the songs are more accessible. It's that the production changed completely. Yes. And people yeah. like it when songs with good riffs and 
a heavy chorus, a catchy chorus. They like it when they can hear what's going on, when they can hear what each thing in the song is doing. That sounds good to human ears. I am going to run through the list of what these songs are ripping off real fast for all of the non-Avenged Sevenfold fans, just so you can hear how outrageous it is that anyone continued to take this band seriously after releasing Hail to the King. The song Shepherd of Fire is definitely one of the Black Album era Metallica ripoffs. The title track is another Black Album ripoff. That's Hail to the King, which if it sounded even 1% more like King Nothing by Metallica, I'm pretty sure Lars would have pulled the trigger on a lawsuit. <laughs> um, you know, he thought about it. But then they, they avoid it by also managing to work in a little bit of King of Kings by Motorhead in there, I assume, as a joke with the whole King. The King reference. There's actually a chance of the first time I ever listened to Hail of the King fully through the whole, the whole song on purpose was today. I know that I've heard this song before because it was inescapable for a minute. So I've heard this song, but it's possible that today was the first time I listened to it beginning to end. And I was in my car driving here with the windows down and it was playing. And I remember thinking, holy shit, this is a Metallica song to a T to the point, even vocally when he sings it, that I was like, am I going to show up to Tyler's house and say, Wow, Hail to the King sounds not only like a Metallica riff, but it sounds like James Hetfield is singing. And Tyler's going to look at me and go, you idiot, James Hetfield's guest vocals on it. If you like Avenged Sevenfold, you're welcome to just listen to Iron Maiden. You should listen to Metallica. You should listen to Alice Cooper and just be done with it. You don't have to listen to this. And if you, for some God only knows reason, you like later Avenged Sevenfold, I have nothing for you. You should just stop listening to music and embrace NPR and listen to that every day. Because the new shit is just off the charts. I don't even know how to describe <laughs> it. There's no words. Doing Time is obviously a bunch of different Guns N' Roses songs mashed together. Right back to the Black Album for the song This Means War, which jacks so much of the vibe of Sad But True that even fucking Avenged Sevenfold members have openly joked about this. There was one time they were talking about what songs they should cover and someone said Sad But True and the band was like, well, we already did that one. <laughs> <laughs> The song Crimson Day opens as if it's going to be yet another Metallica ripoff, uh, Nothing Else Matters, but then it kicks back over to that Bon Jovi power ballad horseshit that I was talking about earlier. The song Heretic is almost exactly Symphony for Destruction by Megadeth. Dave Mustaine bitches a lot and he's really annoying, but ripping off Megadeth is pretty low considering what that guy has spent the past 30 years talking about in every interview. The most ripped off guy in metal, blah, blah, blah. But for the average Hot Topic kid whose favorite band was Sum 41, this was revolutionary. Did they not sell Megadeth shirts in Hot Topic? They probably did, but they were probably too scary for those little kids. You know what I'm saying? Like if they did, and also it would have been a Megadeth shirt, you know what I mean? Versus like the sixth Avenged Sevenfold shirts that would have been on the wall. Megadeth shirts sell, but who's buying uh, the song Coming Home is obviously trying to be an Iron Maiden song, and the song Planets is another Megadeth ripoff. Then there is Acid Rain, which dips back into Guns N' Roses for November Rain. It's weird that they seem dedicated to dropping a hint or kind of like acknowledging what they're doing with the song titles, at least. Pun intended. The band should just be called Pun Intended. Isn't it cute that we're ripping this off? It's like, yeah. no, dude, Guns N' Roses fucking rules. I'm just going to listen to that today. I guess it's possible they were trying to 
write the most environmentally friendly metal album of all time because all these riffs are recycled as fuck. But if you heard it the first time around, it's just weird. Why are we listening to this instead of the thing that it's trying to be? Is the biggest selling Metallica album of all time not on Spotify anymore? Oh, oh, it is? Well, then let's just listen to that. Yeah. The thing is, is these kids, well, they were too young. Metallica was for like old fucks. My dad listens to Metallica. I need something that sounds just like it Honestly, that I can call my own. I think if they had just gone back pre-Black Album, they would have been fine. I think where they fucked up, because most of the songs are Black Album ripoffs. I yeah. think that's where they fucked up. That's easily one of the top five best-selling, quote-unquote, metal, definitely just hard rock. Probably the most highest well, back selling. in black is for sure the best, oh, back in black yeah yeah best-selling hard rock album of all time black album is probably right under it yeah i guess it, it would be the highest selling heavy metal album if you can if you considered it heavy metal all they had to do was go down to like the 10th best-selling hard rock album yeah, ever yeah, and it would have yeah. been fine sure sure but you know that's also the biggest selling metallic album so when you're gonna swing for the fences it's like well let's rip off their biggest selling album we could rip off injustice for all but you know why would we do that when we can just rip off the Black Album? I don't know, talent. But, and then Megadeth, I mean, probably Megadeth was probably too heavy for a lot of young kids. A lot of people can't get past Mustaine's voice, which fair, fucking fair. Totally you know? fair. I, I fucking never got into Megadeth. And I saw them live and it was so boring. What a boring ass band. I can't believe that Metallica never came back and just had Mustaine keep writing songs for them, but not be in the band. Yeah. Like a Bernie Taupin situation uh -huh. or like the hives where some other dude is the one who writes everything. I don't know. Would they have even put out the black album if Mustaine was still in the band though? Probably no, not. I'm saying not in the band. Just have him write, write songs. songs yeah. I mean, kill them all fucking rules. Oh God. As you may have guessed from my joke at the beginning of the episode, this is one of those bands where the fans love to argue over which albums are and are not good. I believe this is largely a product of the things the band members say when promoting each album rather than the music itself. Every metal band always does this. Every interview, they got to talk about the new album. What do you say? You say that you're really just trying to, you know, re unless you're Godflesh, where you're just like, yeah, I made a fucking Godflesh album again. That's what I did. Unless you're Godflesh or ACDC or a band <laughs> like that, you have to talk about how you're trying to stretch out and experiment and broaden your horizons and blah, blah, blah. But then you listen to it and maybe there's like a new instrument that they started using or something, but it's basically the same. And Event Sevenfold did that for a long time. But because they talked about these albums as if they were so crazy different, the fans have to act like they get it too. I hear what he's talking about when he says it's different. So I like this one more. I like that one more, blah, blah, blah. The biggest difference between most of this albums is just whether or not the singer is trying to sing or scream on most of the songs and whether or not they have added a particular non-metal instrument to a song for no reason whatsoever. There's really a weird line that he draws. Oh, can't tell if he's singing or screaming. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like a weird, I don't even know how to do it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of screaming, but not screaming. On one level, you do almost kind of have to admire that level of delusion. This guy was going to be the singer in a band, regardless of whether or not it made any sense for him to be the singer of a band. It's just so obvious that the, everything about him, he's like, I'm going to be a singer of a band. You did it, dude. On one level, that's admirable. But when it comes to using my ears to listen to it, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, I would admire people that are just like, look, I may not be good, dude, great, but I'm going to fucking do it anyways. Go achieve uh, your dream. And it, work, it works. <laughs> Have at it. Somehow it works. I just think there's a disconnect between the things that the band says and the things that the fans say about this band's music and the music itself. For instance, I read a bunch of dumb shit 
about how their song Gunslinger is supposedly influenced by country music. I don't know if the band actually said that or if this is just the fans. I just saw a ton of people saying this. So I, of course, went and listened to the song Gunslinger, and it made me wish that there was some kind of test you had to pass before you're allowed to talk about music at all. <laughs> Nothing about that song suggests that anyone in this band has ever heard a country song in their lives. It sounds more like a Bon Jovi influence than anything else. In fact, even calling the song Gunslinger makes me think they were almost certainly <laughs> trying to go for a Bon Jovi Definitely. wanted dead or alive Definitely watched, vibe. Just watched Young Guns. Yeah. Gonna do our own version of it. It's probably one of their bus movies. <laughs> probably. Another song people talk about being influenced by country is called Dear God. And I straight up started laughing as soon as I pressed play on it, because from the jump right away, it is basically a remix of Simple Man by Leonard Skinner. Like as soon as the fucking song starts playing, you're just that's, it's fucking Simple Man. <laughs> And if you think that Skinnerd is country music, then you need to go listen to the Skinnerd episode yeah, of yeah, yeah. this show. I do, I do love it when bands don't even try to be. Normally, people when they rip things off try to be like they're inspired by or influenced by. And some bands just lean into being like, "No, we're basically just doing exactly the, the, the band the, that the we do." Like, oh, no, we changed one note so we don't get yeah, sued. But yeah. you know what it is. I really love the way that they sing. So I'm just gonna sing just like them. And then the fans are going to say that we clearly haven't heard the new Avenged Sevenfold album if we don't think that they are experimental, which Painfully is have. cute and funny and everything. But we did listen to the new album and it's not experimental. It just sucks. Yeah. Sometimes music is bad. And if you make bad music, you don't just get to say it's experimental. And that explains it all away and makes it come back around to being good again. I was convinced when I listened to this album and I watched, unfortunately, two fucking interviews with the band. Which, quick side note, I would like to say that a vast majority of people in the rock and heavy metal space absolutely suck shit at interviewing people. My God, please, for the love of God, learn how to interview people because they're so insanely boring. And I get that sometimes bands are insanely boring and a lot of the Avenged Sevenfold interviews are really dull because some, most of the guys are really dull. But like, that is where being a good interviewer is useful. Anyways, okay. Uh, when I watched the video for the new song and I listened to the new song on the newest album, I immediately was struck by the fact that there's no way that they would make this album without doing copious amounts of psychedelics. Like I already stated earlier in the episode. And then I was so privileged to watch one of the uh, interviews where Mr. Shadows just explicitly says that, <laughs> that it was based on doing DMT, which is a very strong psychedelic substance yeah, don't do that unless you are ready to yes this is maybe become a different person and yes. not in a great way always <laughs> it seemed obvious to me even before watching that interview that this album was heavily influenced by using psychedelic drugs both from the artwork perspective and the sound design and the whole album the way that it's mixed the way it's produced the songs whether they're written and I guess if that's what people consider, quote, experimental, meaning I experimented with psychedelic substances and this is what came out the other side. Okay, sure. It's experimental. But in reality, it just sounds like a shittier version of everything that they've done previously with adding instruments that don't belong on Avenged Sevenfold albums. They really did just listen to too many fucking Pink Floyd albums and like tried to make a fucking Pink Floyd heavy metal album. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. 
not the whole thing, but there's a handful of songs. I'm like, oh fuck, they just listen to too much fucking Roger Waters. Wish you were here yeah, all day long, wish baby. <laughs> way too much of it. And then wrote a shitty album and then buried M Shadows' vocals in the song See, so that's badly. What you get, that's what you get for trying to use his fucking nickname instead of just saying this dude that like I've been doing. Fucking I haven't gotten dude. hung up on it one time. <laughs> that's right. The singer dude's vocals, they bury in half the songs. Maybe because he's not using auto-tune or something like that. My God, you can barely hear him sing on some of the songs. I was like, is he singing on this? What the fuck am I listening to? He really can't sing, man. Let's let's just bury his vocals in there. You know what's bad when the band's own fans are confused, mystified on Reddit, on, in the YouTube comments, just being like, "Why? Why is this happening? Yeah, why is this happening to me?" <laughs> also, I, I just, I just, there is another thing that happens, and I think it's absolutely hilarious. You make a particular style of music, and you, then you do a bunch of drugs, and you decide you want to do something different because this is. One of the most common stories in music, this is what happens. Your fans, sadly, are not smart enough to interpret what you're doing a vast majority of they the time. They were on board for the first thing. They, yeah. didn't, they didn't sign on for the whole journey. Especially man. when you make heavy music. In particular, you are not playing to the smartest people on planet Earth. If you're in a metal band and you get popular and make a lot of money, the first thing you should do is hire someone who just follows you around everywhere. And anytime you're about to do anything that makes you better, they just smack you in the fucking face. Yeah. You pick up a book, they just smack it out of your hand and yeah. smack you in the face. You start listening to some self-motivational podcast. They smack it out of your hand, smack you in the face. You wonder if expanding your consciousness with psychedelics is a good idea. They smack the drugs out of your hand <laughs> and they smack you in the fucking face. Seriously. Stay the same. It's all anyone wants you to do. And if you are so committed to bettering yourself, do it in secret, never talk about it, mm -hmm. hire an acting coach instead and have them teach you how to act like you haven't changed. Lemmy was Lemmy from start to finish and it's all anyone ever wanted of him and it's why he has Funko Pop dolls made of him <laughs> and you never will. Probably the most actually experimental thing I've ever heard of Ben Sevenfold do is the song A Little Piece of Heaven because it sounds like they were trying to make something for the non-existent Nightmare Before Christmas sequel. Uh, it almost turns into like a polka song or a ska song or sometimes and they're all doing weird funny voices and shit, which, yeah, sure, that is not something that a lot of people expected Avenged Sevenfold to ever do. But you want to know where that road led to the song Ordinary off the new album? It is just a bad 311 song with one of the worst sounding solos you'll ever hear on it. They say it's experimental. Then they hand you a fucking shitty 311 song. So again, I think that their definition of experimental is we want to make music that remains popular going into the future, but we can't tell you that we just want to make 311 songs now. We're trying to branch out and do different things so that you will just accept this shitty 311 song in your ear holes from the band that you just want to be making whatever you think Avenged Sevenfold songs are. If you want to do something different because you're inspired by your journey of doing DMT, then do a side project. Make another band. Avenged Eightfold, Avenged Ninefold. Whatever. Just fucking put it out under the radar because you wanted to be like, hey, this is just something different that we did. Maybe just for fun you release it and don't say that this is the new direction of the band. It's a real quick way to end your career making ridiculous music. If you think it's so great and genius and that people would like it, even if you didn't use the platform that you already have to promote it, 
do it in secret. Come up with a completely fucking different band name. Use AI. You apparently love AI technology. So use AI to invent fake people like the gorillas, except people will think it's real. And then just put it out there. Don't use your publicist. Don't use any of your fucking industry connections. Upload it to SoundCloud. See what happens. Genius. Let's go. Can't wait to see how it does. There's nothing worse than when people discover psychedelics and they're in a band. It's just the same progression that happens every fucking time. I was thinking our songs should be about four times longer than they are. What yeah, do you think about fucking that? A, dude, listen. Wait, I have an idea. Let's have instrumental things that lead into each separate song. I'm going to start singing about how everything is connected on a cellular level. At the very core, everything is, is one. This is what happens. This is what uh, heavy metal is completely fucked for at least the next decade. The only drug you're allowed to do with fucking making heavy metal is cocaine. Meth. You should be, yes, you should be doing uppers and drinking heavily. Those are the only, and being really pissed off. That's not medical advice. Like, don't do Mark. that. Is that medical advice? I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just saying that's usually, unfortunately, where the best heavy metal comes from, not from doing LSD. If you listen to James Hetfield interviews, I've never heard him say, yeah, man, right before we wrote fucking Injustice for All, I did a bunch of acid. I think it's pretty amazing. The new album, they keep talking about getting more and more experimental. And then you listen and to the first single, the entire chorus is just homeboy singing the main riff of the song. That riff goes. And then when he gets around the chorus, he's like, he's just singing the fucking riff, man. That's not experimental. It was not experimental when Ozzy Osbourne did it on almost every song by the band. I'm sure you Neanderthals believe invented heavy metal and it's not (laughs) experimental now. From your understanding of metal, this has been happening since day one. It's not experimental to do that. I think they're using it as like a cover word. Like if they throw the word experimental out, no one's going to call them out on basically just incorporating elements of pop music. And that's not super experimental. If you were a pop band and then you started mixing in metal elements, that would be pretty fucking experimental. And I'm just, I'm convinced that 10% of their fan base even likes this shit. I think most people don't like it. I wanted to say that I like it to be a contrarian for the sake of this episode, but I'm not willing to do that to my reputation as someone who has good taste in things. The new album just goes right back to sounding mixed like a fucking fifth grader did it. It sounds like it was recorded on an iPad. Like if you told me that it was mixed in an Apple store with AirPods, I'd be like, yeah, man, I totally fucking believe you. It's really funny because you can tell that they're doing a lot of it. So I don't know exactly what kind of electronic drums are being used on the album, but it would blow my mind to learn that they didn't play actual toy instruments on some of the shit. Some of the drum parts sound like they were played on like a toy drum kit just to be funny. Like maybe again, that's what they mean by experimental. (laughs) We experimented with this Barbie drum kit. I I think that they probably did, man. I wouldn't doubt it. It really, really sounds that way. Again, things you think that are cool and funny when you do too many drugs. If my only judge of anything is their albums and I had to choose it, I'd be like, oh, well, this is, I guess, the most interesting of, you know, whatever. But it's like being king shit of Turd Mountain. Cool, dude, you won. What about anything that has happened to you in this lifetime makes you believe that anyone who likes your band has ever had the thought, fuck, I love Event Sevenfold, but I wish they would make 311 songs. They play it live too. Like I think it's actually, they're on tour right now and I watched a video or when we're recording this anyways and I watched a video and I didn't, I was like kind of just trying to skip through it and I, I saw that it was in the track listing for what they played live. Then I got the good idea. They're coming here to Nashville 
And I was like, dude, Tyler and I should go to this show and then do like a, a, a 10 minute episode. Dude, tickets are a hundred fucking bucks at least minimum. Where are they playing? Bridgestone? Yes. Well, I'm, which I'm not sitting in the 300s to go see this terrible band. I would only go to check out the rack in the sound system and see if he's actually using Melodyne Live still or not. We could sit behind the sound booth and watch. I would love to watch the actual reaction. It'd be more fun to stand on stage, which normally I hate doing, but I'd love to stand on stage and look at the crowd's reaction to watching him play certain songs. Obviously, they're going to play Hail to the King. They play all their hits, I guess. I don't know what their hits are, but um, I would love to watch them play a handful of new songs because they definitely play at least four songs off the new album and watch the fans' reactions. I would love to see their faces when they play that song, whatever it's... Obs what is it called? Nobody, the single or? No, or, not nobody. The, the other song that we're talking, the 311, Ordinary. Ordinary. Yes. I'm 99% sure that's on their set list. God, I would love to see what the fans reaction is to this shit. And then the other thing that I think they're referring to as far as the album being experimental is the whole concept, which has something to do with artificial intelligence replacing human beings or something. I guess. And I didn't really look into this part of it because I. it's just so many people are on board to the idea that this is a scam that I don't need to go into it and explain why it's a scam, but it obviously fucking is. Apparently, Avenged Sevenfold has been doing a lot of bullshit with NFTs in recent years, and then the singer went on a bunch of podcasts to promote NFTs and talk about like blockchain technology and all this shit. Jesus. Even the fans are sick of it. You know, if you go to the Avenged Sevenfold subreddit and just search NFT, it's so many fans complaining about this guy the fans are saying, why is he trying to scam us with these NFTs? Dude, maybe they hate their fans. Because on that same note. I guarantee you this they is, hate their Well, fans. this is, okay. <laughs> so, now granted, they're on tour, which they haven't toured in, I, would, I mean, at least a couple years, right? Or I mean, certainly not a lot. They put out a new album. This is one of the worst things that bands ever fucking do. Their last four songs, four songs of their hour and 42 minute set are off their new album fucking album they literally play g with the i guess the, the song's called g which it is dot 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 g god yeah yeah and then they play ordinary and they play death and then they play life is but a dream so literally the last 10 to 12 minutes of their entire set is playing their new songs and that is how they end it how many people are so fucking bummed to watch this tour i want someone to set up gopros at the exits when they kick into that part of the set just watch people leave oh you know what i bet we can get out of this parking lot a lot fucking faster if we leave right now instead yeah. of listening to this bullshit and if you're in this band and you've somehow made it this far into this episode again hire someone just to stand and watch how many people are walking out of the venue yeah when you do this bullshit it's like band 101 you finish you finish your set with your two biggest songs or your biggest song is your last song you end on the highest note possible where everyone is singing your favorite shit not four fucking songs off the new album that just came out that's like fucking slapping all your fans in the face if you're looking to get out of here and be traffic now's the time here's four songs for my new album including our 311 cover while we're on the topic of this guy being an idiot, one time he called the band Dillinger Escape Plan, quote, a bunch of homos who make shitty noises and try to pass it off as music, end quote. Uh, Solid. <laughs> aside from being an irredeemably bigoted thing to say, <laughs> that statement displays a staggering 
poverty of musical knowledge. One of the most deeply ignorant things that you could say as a quote unquote metalcore musician about fucking Dillinger escape plan. Well, if you can't play or sing nearly as good as anyone in the band, then, you know, got to make a shitty comment. Also, you can't look like this motherfucker and say that you wear makeup. It's fine, but like, don't pretend you're fucking some sort of Superman guy. I think this was right around the time that he started dressing tough, which we skipped over this. Oh, but we, yeah, but the singer of Dillinger could beat his ass. Oh, oh maybe the singer it, fucked his girlfriend. Or it something. would it would not even be a fair fight. I don't no, think it was huge. Greg is way shorter, and but scary. I, I've seen him move, and I would not want to. I, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't even be a fight if I fought that guy. I wouldn't. I don't want anything to do with him on a physical <laughs> level. Absolutely not. He's scary. Fucking tear, and he's crazy as shit. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, in a good way, in a great way, in a a, a, a way that makes his art fucking awesome. I should say. I want to know who goes to see Dillinger's game playing live and goes, "I'm gonna say yeah. shit about that motherfucker." <laughs> so if, at one point, I was like, I wonder if they're friends and this is just like a fake rap beef kind of thing. Sure, but then Dillinger Escape Plan also posted on social media something about like. Yeah, at least we don't make a bunch of shitty noises and pretend we're Guns N' Roses or something like that. <laughs> Just to be clear, I'm not saying that you have to enjoy listening to Dillinger and Escape Plan. I am well aware that that is not everyone's cup of tea. But saying that it's not even music just makes you sound like a moron, all right? You couldn't pick a better band to just broadcast to the world that you have no idea what you're talking about. And I want to say that he, he definitely said that when Greg was the singer of the band. So I want to say that that was the Miss Machine era, like the first full length that Dillinger made with Greg, which is certainly one of the greatest things that any metal adjacent band has ever achieved. So for him to say that, it just comes off as like some weird, petty jealousy. Maybe he fucked his girlfriend. And security complex Maybe there's thing. like some other thing. Because you got to think the guitar players from that band, Avenged Sevenfold, definitely would have looked at Mr. Shadows and said, what the fuck are you talking about? Dude? It's the guitar players in that band like shred their fucking ass off and we play dumbass bullshit. What are you talking about? Do you hear his drumming? Like, I can't play like that. Definitely half of Avenged Sevenfold fucking love Dillinger Escape Plan. There's no question. And again, if you as a fan of Avenged Sevenfold, if you think that Avenged Sevenfold is heavy or has a great metal singer, then you're going to want to go listen to Miss Machine by Dillinger Escape Plan. If you only have time for one song, press play on Sunshine the Werewolf before you embarrass yourself any further than you've already done. Because if Avenged Sevenfold is your favorite band, your favorite band sucks. You're welcome for listening to another DMT-fueled episode of Your Favorite Band Sucks. I know those of you who have seen way too much of the internet were certain my How Many Avenged Sevenfold Fans Does It Take to Cover a Song joke was going to be about that YouTube video from like five years ago, and it kind of was. Because if you do a video search for something like worst A7X cover and click on whatever preview image looks the most like a high school battle of the bands, then your eyes and your ears will be treated to a perfect example of how much the average Avenged Sevenfold fan understands about the way music works. 
Conversely, the band Iron Maiden came up a lot in this episode, and I could see how a lot of people listening to this one may say, but Tyler, Iron Maiden has been a band for longer than I've been alive. They have released almost 20 albums. I have no idea where to start. Shut up. Listen, I'm going to do you a huge favor, but you got to promise to not embarrass me. Go to the website pinballmap.com, pinballmap.com. Look for an arcade near you that has the Iron Maiden pinball machine. Go there. Hopefully it's a good arcade. Hopefully the machine is in working condition with the volume turned up loud enough for you to hear it. Start playing that game. By the time you get any good at it, you will have a decent understanding of what Iron Maiden is all about. All right, before announcing the next episode, I want to give one more plug to that special thing we're planning. Our podcast host allows listeners to send in voice messages to the show. We're going to do a whole episode where we play a bunch of those messages and respond to them. This is going to be coming up somewhat soon, so you do need to get on this pretty soon if you'd like to try for a miniature guest spot on the show. Figure out whatever it is you want to say to us or to everyone who listens to the show. Keep in mind, we are not just going to play 50 messages in a row that all say they love us or hate us and not much else. Same thing with requests. Obviously, we don't give a shit what you want, so (laughs) save it. Do figure out what you want to say, whether that is a story about a song or a band that we've talked about, someone you know who's a huge fan of a band we have talked about or a band we haven't talked about. Then get on a smartphone or tablet or a computer with any kind of microphone connected to it and go to the website anchor.fm slash yfbspod. Once again, that is anchor.fm slash yfbspod. On that page, you will see a button that says send voice message. And well, if you can't figure it out from there, you're not going to be on the show. Okay, by the time any of you hear this, it will be a Thursday, which means the weekend is right around the corner. And I know how many of you are so excited for the weekend to be right around the corner, but I would just like to say to you that Mark and I both think the weekend really sucks a lot. So when this podcast returns, it will be with an episode about how much the weekend sucks.